Hey guys, this is Ray Peoples. I'm the campus pastor at New City Church in Merriam, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today, and special thanks in advance to those of you who give generously to New City. You're the ones that make this ministry possible. And to partner with New City, click the link in the description below. I hope this message inspires you to trust in and live like Jesus. And if it does, don't forget to subscribe, share it on social media, and send it to your friends. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Oh, you're good job, good job. Well, my name is Ray. I'm the campus pastor here, and glad that you're with us today. We are continuing walking through this series we're calling Margin. And the idea behind it is that we're looking for margin in our time and in our finances. So we spent five weeks talking about finding margin in our time. If you weren't with us for that, you can always go back and listen to it on the app, okay? Or you can go to the website and listen to those. But we spent five weeks talking about time, and now we're starting to talk about money and finding uh, margin, if you will, in our finances, all right? And so kind of the thing we've been saying is, hey, we talk a lot about our 10%, right? But we want you to know that we care about your 90% as well. Okay, and so in that, we want you to be able to find some margin. All right, so last week we started talking about the average American, right? And the average American we found is often, if you summed it up in one word, it's this it's broke, right? The average American is broke, Uh, and it can be summed up like this as well like uh, living paycheck to paycheck. In fact, 70% of households are doing just that, living from paycheck to paycheck, hoping that the job doesn't go away so that they can continue to move forward. And so we're, again, looking for this, uh, this margin, if you will, in our lives, okay? But here's also the thing about normal, okay? Normal folks seem to have all the things they want, right? And it's the things that we get hung up on. But I think sometimes what we miss in that normal of looking at that is going, wow, they have all these things, right? Like life must be good. But I think what we don't see a lot of times is the financial stress that's behind that or the arguments or the bills that come on the monthly or all those different things that play into like what sets up that that normal that we know of here in the United States, right? There's a lot to it. And so that may be even where you're at, like in this just kind of tough place. But we look at those folks and we go, man, they have nice everything, right? Like they have the nice house. They have the nice car. Guess what? They probably got a nice bill that goes with it, right? They maybe have a nice bill that goes with it. And here's the thing. The stats, okay, tell us. The stats tell us that the majority of folks have these nice things, but they don't really have the income to do it. But they continue to do it. And so then they find themselves in a place with no margin, okay? So uh, last week we kind of began also this, this idea of talking about contentment. And if we can have a content heart, if we can be set on the things that God has given us and be thankful for the things that God has given us, then that's the first place we need to go to begin to find this thing of margin. In other words, if we don't ever have a content heart, we're probably never going to find margin. Okay, so that's where we need to start is in this heart of or place of contentment. Okay, now we also talked about those, these things that come across for someone who has financial peace, all right, using some verbiage there from Dave Ramsey. All right, the first one is this, they trust God completely. And that's what we talked about last week. Like, okay, God, you've given me this, I'm content with it, and you trust me with it. The second one is saves money consistently. 
The third is this person embraces God's given mission and vision for their lives. The fourth one is they commit to lifelong generosity. And the fifth one is that they recognize God's ownership of their things and their life. Okay? They recognize God's ownership in that. So, last week we again talked about this idea of being content. So this week, if we're looking at that list, right, you can only guess that we're going to move down to the next one, okay? And it saves money consistently. And I'll be honest with you, like, I'm not good at this. Like, my wife balances me out on this. Uh, if I have a dollar in my pocket, I'm more than likely going to find something to spend it on, okay? And so I'm preaching to myself this morning in this way of, hey, saving is important. Like, it's a thing that we need to look to do, okay? And so kind of our guiding verse this morning is going to be Proverbs 21:20, and it says this. It says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools, okay, spend whatever they get. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I mean, I read this this past week, and I'm like, Wow. Okay, that hits right there, right home. That hits at home, okay? But the fool spends whatever they get. So the wise have wealth and luxury. And I would hope that most of us look at that, that proverb and we go, I hope to be the wise one, right? Not the fool, but I hope to be the wise one. And so this morning we're going to be kind of walking through, okay, this idea of being wise and not, not spending everything that we have or everything that we get, Okay? So here's the thing. We talk about a lot at our church being generous, right? It's even one of our 2020 vision statements that by the end of 2020, we will be an extremely generous church, right? So it's kind of a big deal for us to be generous. So if we talk about this idea of living paycheck to paycheck or spending everything we have, then it's going to be really hard for us to be generous, right? Kind of a, uh, if the well runs dry kind of mentality, Right? If there's no water in the well, then it's going to be hard for you to get a drink. Or let's put it this way. If there's no money in the wallet, then it's going to be really hard for you to be generous. Right? It's going to be really hard for us to be generous. Okay, so I've got this little illustration. I hope it goes right, and I hope it makes sense. All right? So here's the deal. We've got... I almost spilled the main part of my illustration. So great. Good. Here. All right, so here we go. So we're going to consider this saucer or this dish, Okay? needs, like people around us that have needs, okay, or people that we want to be generous to or we want to gift something to them, okay? And then this cup is going to represent this idea of contentment that we talked about last week, okay? So this is our life and an understanding that we are content, okay? Now, here's what we're hoping to do over these next couple weeks. We're hoping to find margin, okay? So each of us have our income, all right? It's green because money, you know, yeah, all right? So we're, we're, we have our income, okay? And here's the thing, I believe fully, and maybe you do too, that God gives you everything, right? So the provision he's given you, he's given to you for a purpose and a reason, okay? And so now we have this life of contentment, all right? So here's what happens, okay? Hopefully, our life is then full, right? So we're content. Looks like mouthwash, all right? So we're content. We're full, okay? But look here. God's given me this much income to work with or to do with, okay? So here's what happens. Watch this. Look here. Here's what we ideally want to look for in these next five weeks. We want to look for an overflow in our life that can pour into then the needs and the wants, or not necessarily the wants, but the needs of those around us, right? And so we can use that and we can find that margin to be able to give and to be generous to those around us. Now, here's the thing, okay? Here's what happens for the majority of us or the majority of the United States, so that would be the majority of us, okay? Here's what happens. 
we're not content, right? We're not set with what God has given us. And so we want bigger and we want better, okay? So we want better, bigger and better. And so then what we do is we take this life of contentment and we say, nope, I want bigger than that, right? But what God has intended for us, look here, it doesn't allow us to overflow into the needs of those around us. Does that make sense? Right? And so we can't even get to the top. And so then this is where we find ourselves in a place of like living paycheck to paycheck. Because I want this, this, and this above what God has actually given me. And then, oh, I don't have any to pour out to be generous to those around me. Right? I don't have anything left over. I don't have any margin that I can give to those around me. And so as we begin to talk about this idea of saving, look here. Then when we save, that allows us to build that up even more. To build up what's in our picture and what we're able to pour into our life into those around us. Okay? So we're going to be talking about this idea of saving today. And again, I'm one that's not great at it. I'm speaking to myself, okay? And so we're going to read here a whole lot of Scripture in the next few minutes, all right? But I'd much rather have Scripture speaking to you than myself, and you're like, me too, okay? So here we go. We're going to turn to Genesis uh, chapter 41, okay? is where we're going to start this morning. And we're going to start in verse 15, and we're going to read all the way to verse 43, okay? So hold on. Here we go, okay? Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have heard a dream, or I've had a dream. He didn't hear it. He had it, okay? And no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. I am not able to, Joseph answered. Pharaoh, it is God who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Now, look at there. He's already giving acknowledgement to God in his answer of what he's going to do here for Pharaoh. All right. So verse 17. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile. When seven fell, excuse me, I'm having trouble reading today. When seven well-fed, healthy-looking cows came up from the Nile and began to graze among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly, very sickly and thin, came up. And I've never seen such ugly ones as these in all the land of Egypt. Then the thin, ugly cows ate the first seven well-fed cows. And when they had devoured them, you could, not tell that they had, you could not tell that they had devoured them. Their appearance was as bad as it had been before. And then I woke up. And in my dream, I had also seen seven heads of grain, plump and ripe, coming up on one stalk. After them, seven heads of grain with withered, thin, and scorched by the east wind sprouted up. And the thin heads of the grain swallowed up the seven plump ones, and I told this to the magicians, but no one can tell me what it means. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows and the seven good years and the seven ripe heads are seven years. The dreams mean the same thing. The seven thin, ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and, and the seven worthless scorched heads of grain are seven years of famine. So he's got seven good years and seven years of famine, all right, just to clarify all that, all right? So here we go in verse 28. It is just as I told Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, and after them, seven years of famine will take place, and all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will devastate the land. And the abundance in the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows it. For the famine will be very severe. And since the dream was given twice to Pharaoh, it means that the matter has been determined by God and he will carry it out soon. 
So now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint overseers over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance and let them gather all the excess food during these good years that are coming. And under Pharaoh's authority, store the grain in the cities so they may preserve it as food. And the food will be as a reserve for the land during the seven years of famine that will take place in the land of Egypt. Then the country will not be wiped out by the famine. And the proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find anyone like this, a man who has God's spirit in him? Sometimes I'm like, really? But look what he says. He says, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as intelligent and as wise as you. You will be over my house, and all my people will obey my commands. And only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh also said to Joseph, See, I am placing you over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him with fine linen garments, and placed a gold chain around his neck. And he had Joseph ride in his second chariot, and servants called out before him, Abrek. So he placed him over all the land of Egypt. Now we're going to skip to verse 46 as the story continues, all right? Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph left Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout the land of Egypt. And during the seven years of abundance, okay, here we go, the story beginning to play out, the land produced outstanding harvests. And Joseph gathered all the excess food in the land of Egypt during the seven years and put it in the cities. And he put the food in every city from the fields around it. So Joseph stored up grain in such abundance that like sand on the sea, that he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measure. All right? Now, look at verse 53. Then the seven years of abundance in the land of Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began just as Joseph had said. And there was famine in every country, but throughout the land of Egypt there was food. And extreme hunger came over all the lands of Egypt, and the people cried out to Pharaoh for food. And Pharaoh told all of Egypt, Go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. Because the famine had spread across the whole country, Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. And every nation came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain, for this famine was severe in every land. All right, now take a big breath. Right? That's a lot of reading. But here's ultimately what happened, okay? Hey, there's going to be seven years of abundance, and then there's going to be seven years of famine. But you need to prepare for the seven years of famine in the seven years of abundance. Now, there's three things that I kind of pull out of that, okay, when we're talking about this idea of saving money, all right? You ready? Here's the first one. Saving money is necessary, okay? Saving money is necessary. The second one is this, is saving money is a decision, All right, and the third is saving money allows us then to be generous to those we love and those around us. Okay, so kind of this idea right here, like when we save some money, it allows us then to look for and find those places to be generous. Okay, now here's the thing as we begin, and we talk about this idea of abundance and famine. Okay, something is significant or something significant is right around the corner for you. And I don't mean to scare you in any way, but there is something significant around the corner. Or maybe you're right in the middle of it now. And what I mean by significant is I mean that it's going to be a hard hit to your life. And it may be even a hard hit in the way of finances, right? It may be a hard hit in the way of finances. Even this past week, one of my guys in our D group, 
He calls and he's like, hey, I'm on the side of, side of the road. My car's broken. I don't know what to do. Can you come help us? Right? And he sends that out to the D group. And so we go and we help him. And he takes his car in and finds out it's going to be $4,000 worth of work to get his car fixed. Like that type of thing is what I'm saying is right around the corner. And I'm not saying that it just happens to some people. Like here's the thing, okay? Count 10 families around you. Eight out of 10 families will have a major unexpected expense in the next 10 years. Eight out of 10 families, all right? And it will cost between 6000 to $10,000. So the first one, saving is necessary, right? Because when we're saving, look here, we are saying this. I expect the unexpected to happen, right? I expect the unexpected to happen. And the stats say, hey, something's going to happen. And so we need to prepare in that way by creating savings and having savings in our life, preparing in the abundance for the time of famine, all right? So it's probably something we should prepare for. The second one is this, okay, that we see it's a decision, Saving is a decision. I have never saved money on accident. Right? I've never saved money on accident. It is something that is intentional in our lives. Okay? So look back at verse 33. And look what it said. It says, So now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint overseers over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance and let them gather all the excess food during the good years that are coming and under Pharaoh's authority store the grain in the cities so that they may preserve it as food and the food will reserve for the land will be a reserve for the land during the seven years of famine that will take place in the land of Egypt. Then the country will not be wiped out by the famine. You see, he has this dream. He knows that this is coming, so then he makes the decision, okay, this is what we're going to do. But not only does he make the decision like, oh, you know, yeah, we'll throw a little grain back. No, he says, okay, we're going to make this conscious decision of this is how much we are going to save. In other words, we're going to prepare for the unexpected. But for them, it was expected, right? But for us, when we look at it, okay, eight out of ten families are going to encounter this. Guess what? It's almost expected for you and your family as well. And so preparing in that by saving and having a little extra there, okay? So, again, never saved money on accident. And this is where a budget comes in. Like, we've started financial peace. Many of you have started a budget. You know, for us, we're looking at it going, okay, yeah, we got to adjust this. We got to adjust this. And we're working through that, right? But we want to get to a place that our budget is telling our money where to go. And so Larry Burkett says it like this. He's a, he's a kind of a financial guru. He says this. He says, a budget is simply telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Right? Telling your money where to go. And so there's got to be intentionality in our saving. There's got to be intentionality behind it and preparing for the unexpected. Okay? So our budget is a key piece. Preparing for the future and the future disaster that might come. Okay? Here's the third one, the final one. And kind of the most important one, really, for me and for us. Saving money allows us to be generous for those we love and for those around us. Now, I'm not in this position by any means, but I would love to be at some point in this position where, hey, D-group guy calls, says, hey, the car is going to end up costing $4,000, and you can come around and go, all right, here. Right? You see the generosity that we can have when we're not spending everything that we get. Or let's take it another direction. Hey, I'm not sure that we can go out to eat this week. We don't have money. No, come on. We'll cover you. 
right? Like when we have a little bit extra, when we have a little bit of margin, it allows us then to have this heart of generosity for those around us. And we're able to give in abundance, if you will. Okay, and so look at verse 48 and what he says here. It says, Joseph gathered all the excess food in the land of Egypt during the seven years and put it in the cities. And he put the food in every city from the fields around it. So Joseph stored up grain in such abundance, look at this, that like sand of the sea, that he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measure. Man, wouldn't that be fun, right? To have so much in your savings that you're like, you know what, I'm not even going to count it anymore. <laughs> like, so much abundance. And then in that abundance, what happens? He then goes on to feed not only Egypt, but all the countries around it, right? And that's how his brothers end up coming into the land, and he finds them and all that fun stuff. But it's because of the abundance that he had created and the margin, if you will, that he had found, okay? So look here. They were able to take their 20% savings each time or each year, and it took care of 100% of the need when they needed it. He was able to be highly generous, okay? And when the famine comes, look here. I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to pour it out on the country. I'm going to pour it out on the nations around me. Okay? Now, Larry Burkett says this, okay? Because we're like, okay, wait, we want to be generous, but you're telling us to save it all. That doesn't, that doesn't really match up, right? But Larry Burkett says this, okay? The difference between saving and hoarding is an attitude. All right? Is an attitude. So here's a saving attitude, okay? You're putting money aside for the purpose of taking care of your family and unexpected expenses. But hopefully, you build it to a point that it allows you to be generous to those around you. Now, here's a hoarding attitude, okay? Is that you're putting all the money aside so that you yourself are rich, can have more, do more, and show up all your neighbors in what you have. You see the difference? It's a closed-fisted mentality. There's no generosity there. It's just, oh, this is all about me and what I can accumulate. But savings is having a plan. It's being wise and putting some things in place for the unexpected. Right? Okay? So, here's the thing. Let's go back to last week. If we're not someone who is content, okay, then it's going to be really hard for us then to save. Because why? Because we always want the next. We always want the better. We always want the more. And if we're constantly not able to fill up our cup, to fill up our life, then we're going to find ourselves looking for more, right? Looking for more and to be able to save. But that contentment element is a key piece of this, okay? So again, imagine if someone around you, their car breaks down, Something goes wrong at their house. They have medical expenses or something like that. And the generosity in your life can just flow from that. Man, here's the thing. The wise, let's go back to that verse. What does it say? The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they can get. Right? So let's be wise. Can we be wise? Cool. All right. Three of us, we're going to be wise. Excellent. I love it. Let's go for it, right? But we can be wise, okay? The unexpected is expected. It's going to happen. So let's prepare our wallets. Let's prepare ourselves for that. And in that, maybe we can find some opportunities to be generous as well, okay? So let's make this a practical thing, all right? If you're living paycheck to paycheck, and we're talking about the thing we're about to talk about, which is Operation Christmas Child that's coming up, okay? And you're like, man... I don't have any extra money to go buy anything for that box. But if we're saving 
And if we have something accumulated, right, then we're able to say, hey, I can be generous and I can give to this and bring a box or two, right? You see how that allows us to be generous? And then again, you can take that scale to whatever you want to take that scale to. But in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing Operation Christmas Child, and we're going to watch a video about that here in a moment. But let me pray for us first, okay? And let's begin to have a heart that desires to save, but not to save for us, but to save for generosity and those around us, okay? So, Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for how you provide for us and how you provide for us on the daily. And some of us in this room may be and feel perfectly fine financially. But, Lord, the stats say that many of us are living paycheck to paycheck or things are tight or things are strapped. And, Lord, we've got to watch where each and every dollar goes. And so, Lord, in that, I, allow, I, pray, I pray that you allow us to have a little extra to be able to save or to be generous to those around us. And, Lord, as we, as we look to that and having that heart, Lord, may you just continue to overflow and pour into our lives even more so that we can be even more generous. And, Lord, may we be a church that has a heart of generosity as well. And, Lord, in that, may we have a plan to find a margin margin in our lives and in our finances. And so, Lord, we just give that to you even this week. Lord, may we find contentment and may we find opportunities to be generous to those around us. And Lord, we praise you and thank you for your word and we thank you for your son and your son's name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today and thank you for supporting New City Church's ministry. If this inspired you and you want to partner with New City, you can give now by clicking the link in the description or visit newcitychurch.com slash podcast for more information. Have a great day.